0: sisters in Islam, Alhamdulillah, wassalatu salamu ala Rasulillah. Welcome back as we continue part 11 of the seerah, biography of the Prophet sallallahu wasallam. And welcome to all those who are on Facebook live around the world. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala keep us as one ummah full of love. Brothers and sisters in Islam, last week we left off with the incident with the great chief, one of the great chiefs of Mecca by the name of Walid ibn Mughira if you remember. And that incident involved this greatest poet of Arabia, not just of Mecca but of all of Arabia, to go and witness himself that the words of the Prophet (coughs) were truly not words of human beings. And he testified that they cannot be words of poetry or sorcery or soothsayers even though that's what Abu Jahl and the rest of the enemies wanted him to say so the best thing he came up with was that it is a type of sorcery not known to the Arabs he said and they thought we can go with that as a result Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent down the verses terrible warnings not warnings a terrible torment and torture that is awaiting al walid ibn al-Mughira, the father of Khalid ibn Walid, in Surah al Muddafir. Now my brothers and sisters in Islam, the biggest problem for the Quraysh enemies was this Qur'an because <coughs> it challenged everything they stood up for. It challenged their language which they took pride in. And that was the strongest Influence of Truth on the People. Their biggest concern was that people can't hear it. If they heard it, their biggest concern people to hear the Qur'an. As soon as they hear it, they get hypnotized by it and they know the truth. All these people knew that what the Prophet was saying was actually true. But it was their pride, their arrogance, their love for it. the worldly things overtook it. So following al walid ibn Mughira's incident, after that al walid ibn Mughira's heart was completely sealed. He was almost about to embrace Islam. But the pridefulness of his colleague chiefs, what you call today peer pressure, peer pressure got to him. And he chose to seal his heart against Islam, the Prophet ﷺ, and the Qur'an once and for all. So he became one of the top-ranking enemies. So now, the Quraysh chiefs who heard Walid ibn Mughira testify for the Qur'an that it is an amazing, amazing words. They started to have this in the back of their mind. Some of them were having this crave this craving to listen to the Qur'an. But how are they going to listen to it? Everybody's going to watch them. If they start listening to the Qur'an, then they're going to show the rest of the Arabs that there's something special about it. What immediately happened after that, and Allah knows best, the Prophet wasallam's son, Al-Qasim, was only about 8 years old or 9 years old, maybe 10 He died and that was his second child to die, the second son. The first one was an infant, still an infant or just being born new. And the second one now Qasim, they say that he reached the age of riding a horse when he died. And the Prophet now has to bury his second son with his own hands And this was the greatest opportunity for the enemies of Quraysh to use this against him. While he was mourning SallAllahu Alaihi Wasallam, the Quraysh people with Abu Jahl being the head of them started to publicize the following. They said, look at this man who is meant to be a prophet of God, who Allah loves so much apparently. He has no support or helpers whatsoever. Innahu abtar. innahu abtar. That's the word they used in Arabic. Which means, he is cut off from any supporting lineage. For the Arabs, the greatest support and strength was to have sons. Because sons meant physical strength. And especially in those days, not so much today... Especially in those days, and especially in places where there is no law and order, then you need a strong backing. And as we said, there are no courts or law and orders at the time. The Prophet, when he first came out with the Arabs, it was chaos. You had to have men in your family to protect you, otherwise, you had no support or protection. You remember the story of Lut alayhi salam, one of the prophets, Lut, who was sent to Sodom and Gomorrah. And they came to him, abusing him. He only had daughters. And he said, as Allah says in the Quran, Law aw ila If only I had sons or men in my family, or a strength of men that I can get support from against you. So having sons was a big deal of protection. And the Prophet ﷺ's people, Banu Hashim, basically didn't want to help him anymore. They, they don't want this. And all he had was Abu Talib, his uncle, who he himself put his life on the line now. Remember from last time what we said? So this was an opportunity for them to say, he is cut off of all support, the messenger of God who says, look how God has left him no sons. This hurt the Prophet وسلم, tremendously. Can't imagine, cannot describe the words, how they pierced into his heart. And who does he complain to? Only to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for his mercy. So
1: Allah sent down
0: the verse immediately.
1: Inna <coughs> rabbika
0: very quickly, straight to the point. We have given you a gift, O Messenger of God, the fountain of Kawthar. Kawthar means the never ending. Continue to pray to your Lord. Don't give up one heart and continue to do your for Allah. Those who hate you. They are the ones who are soon going to be cut off. They will have no supporters. You just wait and be patient. And that verse gave the Prophet immense support. Then, Abu Jahan and another chief named Abu Sufyan and another chief named al akhnas Have you heard of al akhnas These three men, among the greatest chiefs, they loved Arabic and poetry and so on. You see, the words of Al-Waneed ibn Mughirah were still affecting them. So I'll tell you this funny incident that happened in that time. The Prophet Sallallahu who used to pray in the night. Now when he used to pray, it wasn't the prayer that we know today yet. It hadn't, the, the five daily prayers hadn't come down yet. But they were praying like the way the former Prophets used to pray, bowing and prostrating. He used to pray in the night, as Allah told him in the previous verse. You can seek refuge in the night where you can meditate and your serenity comes down, and you find your stress and your hardship goes away when you wake up in the night and pray to Allah. So, this was a common practice that the Prophet ﷺ did. And in those days, he didn't have cars and uh, noises and TVs and so on and so forth. When the lights were off, they were off. You could hear, if there were crickets, you can hear the crickets only. You can hear people just treading very silently. And so the voice of the Prophet could be heard outside of his house. So what did Abu Jahl, Abu Sufyan and al ahnas do? They didn't know this about each other. But secretly at night, they started going out. They went one night in secret, each one by himself, from a different corner, to approach the Prophet's house secretly to listen to the Prophet's Quran to his voice reading the Qur'an. So as they were approaching they listened until the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam stopped and then as they were going back home what happened? They bumped into each other. Uh, they were tongue-tied. One said, oh, I'm just out because of some family needs. The other one said, I was going to the bathroom. The other one said, oh, I just wanted to, you know, make." A- they made up some excuses. They all understood that they were all going to listen. But they said, okay, go on. Basically, silently we agree. That's good enough. Let's not talk about it. Next day, the same thing. They're hypnotized, like an addiction. They went back. They listened. And what happened? As they were returning, they bumped into each other once again. This time, they said, listen. We know what we're all out here for. We were listening to the Qur'an. Okay, it hypnotizes us. And it can't blame us but let's agree not to tell anyone about this and we'll never do it again. They said, okay, okay, agreed, agreed, agreed. So the next day, the man, al ahmas he couldn't bear it. So he goes up to Abu Sufyan, sits with him at the corner of the Kaaba. It was called the social gathering place. He took him aside and said, hey listen, Abu Sufyan, what do you think of the words Muhammad was reading last night? Abu Sufyan, being a businessman, he always counts his losses and Make sure that he can come out the winner in the end. You know, he's a man of profit. He thinks business like. Instead of answering him, he said, You tell me first. So Al akhna said to him, Well, I I think that they are that a man cannot speak those words. And Abu Sufyan said, Well, I understood some and I couldn't understand some. Probably true, because when Iman, when you don't have the Iman in you, somehow there is a covering on your heart. When you listen to the Quran, it doesn't do it for you, until you open your heart to it. Or, maybe Abu Sufyan did understand, but he wouldn't admit it. So al Ahnas replied by saying, you know what, me too. Then he went to Abu Jahl. He says, Ya Abu Al-Hakam, and the man of wisdom they used to call him. Amr ibn Hisham was his name. They said, what do you think of the words of Muhammad? Now Abu Jahal is straight to the point. He's black and white. This is what he said to him. He said, you know, Abdul Manaf, which is another name for Banu Hashim, the great grandfathers of Muhammad, and us, and us, the Mahzumi people, we've always been in competition with them. They feed, we feed. They give water, we give water. Until we reached a point in history where we were both almost the same in competition, like two horses at the necks of each other about to cross the finish line. You don't know who's going to beat the other. And when we thought that we had a chance to be the noblest of all the tribes, they come to us with a prophet from the heavens. How are we going to compete with pro- a prophet from the heavens? He said, I will never accept even if he speaks the truth. You see? And that's when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent down the following verses.
1: I'll read one of them. Allah says, فَإِنَّهُمْ لَا يُكَذِّبُونَكَ وَلَكِنَّ الظَّالِمِينَ
0: He said to the Prophet Sallallahu It is not you that they deny. But it is the verses of Allah that the wrongdoers deny. Meaning, they did not accuse you of lying, O Muhammad, the Messenger of God. But it is the words of Allah that they are denying. They know the truth, but their pride stops them. And Abu Jahl said it straight out. And SubhanAllah, you can see that Abu Sufyan is being lenient. What does he do after the opening of Mecca? He converts to Islam. He has something for Islam. But wealth and business and trade overtook his mind for a little while. They say that Al-Akhnas became Muslim later on but we're not very sure about that. So that's one incident. This is all happening when? In the fifth year of prophethood. Five years after he became a prophet. This is happening now. Keep in mind that tortures are happening. The slaves are being tortured. Bilal anh, is being tortured. Suhaib, uh, not Suhaib, sorry. Amr uh, um, uh, ibn As, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud. Um, the women, all of them are being tortured. Zainab, one slave, was being tortured. All of them being tortured at the same time. But the Prophet ﷺ is protected. and All the people of Quraysh are being protected. Those who became Muslim. So one day, they tried to negotiate with the Prophet ﷺ. One of the chief men, his name is Utbah. Utbah is the father of Hind. Do you remember the story of Hind who sent Wahshi to kill Hamza in the Battle of Uhud? That's later on. So this man, Utbah is one of the most respected and important leaders in Quraysh. He decides to do what Al-Walid Al-Mughira did. He thought, you know what, I'm going to go give it a try. I'm very well spoken and truly he was an extremely eloquent man. And on top of that, he was actually a man of wisdom. The Prophet Sallallahu actually witnessed to the wisdom of Utbah, even though Utbah was a disbeliever, an enemy. And that shows us that we as Muslims should not deny or neglect the goodness or intelligence of people, even if they are kuffar or enemies of Islam or whatever. Because Allah Subh'anaHu Wa in the Qur'an acknowledged for the people of the book, for example, he said and among them are those who are very trustworthy you give them a camel load of gold and wealth and they will look after it for you and among them are those who are not trustworthy so we are a balanced ummah we don't just neglect or deny the goodness of people just for the mere fact that they're not muslim or because we don't uh, like a person or because uh, you know we you know we think that someone is lower than us or don't ever think the most honored among you in the sight of God are the ones who are most righteous and God fearing. And Allah says, <laughs> Never praise yourselves in piety. Don't sit there saying, I'm the most religious, I'm superior. Allah says, He is the one who knows truly who is God fearing. What you do in secret, what you do in open, what your heart really is like, two different things. So without going too much on that, to save time, Utbah decides to go to the Prophet وسلم, to speak to him. So he met him at the corner of the Kaaba, he sits him down and said, Ya Muhammad, Ya Afi. The way they used to say, Oh, oh my nephew, this was a, a word of you know kindness and respect for someone when they call them my nephew, someone's younger than him, Utbah's an older person. He said, Can you sit down and listen to what I have to say? The Prophet never rejected anyone from listening to them. And I'd like to make an important point here brothers and sisters. If you expect people to listen to your da'wah, to listen to you about your religion, then it's only natural and proper and just that you also listen to them. You cannot expect someone to listen to you if you don't also listen to them. So Rasulullah sat down and he listened to Utbah, knowing exactly what he's going to say. Utbah began talking and talking and saying things like, Oh, my nephew, look, your actions have divided us, your actions have cut off family ties, your actions have uh, returned uh, telling us to uh, basically abuse our forefathers and our gods. The Prophet wasn't abusing their gods. A Muslim does not abuse the religion of other people. Allah said in the Qur'an, do not swear at their religion because then they will swear at yours. And there is an incident why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said that. That incident was the time when Abu Jahl, He said, I shall go and swear at Muhammad if he says one more word, if he swears at our gods. And Allah sent down that verse saying, do not swear at their gods or their religion even though they are complete nonsense. <laughs> then they will swear at your religion and your God. Adwan, out of injustice. We don't do that. So Utbah spoke for a long time. The Prophet, wallah, did not cut him off once. When he finished, he said, Antahait, Ya Utbah, have you finished? And he put his hands backwards like this on the floor. He said, Yes, I'm done. He said, Can I speak now? He said, Yes. And the only thing the Prophet ﷺ did was recite from Surat Fussilat. He said,
1: "Bismillah,
0: the as-salam. Wa
1: alaikum as-salam. Wa alaikum as-salam. Wa which means
0: a revelation the Quran from the most merciful and the most gracious a book whereof the verses are explained clearly, a Quran in Arabic for people who know a book bearing glad tidings and warning but most of them turn away so they hear not the Quran and they say, our hearts are wrapped up in covering. From that which you invite us, and in our ears is deafness, and between us and you is a screen. So work you on your way. Indeed, we are working on our way. The Prophet Sallallahu continued reciting from the Qur'an. I'd like to say him in English so that you can understand what Utbah was listening to. The verse of the Qur'an were addressing him and their actions. Say, O Prophet of Allah, I am only a human being like you. The only difference is that it is revealed to me that your God is one God. Therefore take the straight path toward him and seek forgiveness of him and woe to the polytheists, the people who worship idols. Those who give not the alms tax and they are disbelievers in the hereafter. The alms tax meaning they do not give zakat. Indeed those who believe and do righteous good deeds from them will be an endless reward that will never stop. Say, do you verily disbelieve in Him who created the earth in two days? And you set up rivals in worship with Him. That is the Lord of the worlds. You see, it's addressing exactly what His people are doing, what they're saying. It's talking about their life. Everything, what they say in secret, what they're thinking, what they're feeling. And these words, they're actually building up to a point. He said, He placed their infirm mountains from above it and He placed it... And he blessed it and measured therein its sustenance in four days, sufficient for those in need. Then he rose over towards the heaven when it was smoke and said unto it and unto the earth, Come both of you, willing or unwilling, and take shape. They both said, We come willingly, and they took shape. Then he completed and finished it. It was in the form of smoke from their creation seven heavens in two days and he made in each heaven its affair and we adorned the nearest heaven with lamps to be an adornment as well as to guard heavens such is the decree of him, the most gracious, the omnipotent. But if they turn away, then say, I have warned you of a destructive, awful cry like that which overtook Aad and Thamud. As soon as Utbah, this is the 13th verse, as soon as Utbah heard the words, I shall do what I did to your forefathers, Aad and Thamud. Utbah was so overwhelmed by these words that he got so afraid. He got up, put his hands onto the mouth of the Prophet ﷺ and said to him, Unshiduka bil rahim. I call upon you by the womb that connects us because they were all relatives, cousins. Please don't say a single word, more. Please don't say a word. I don't want Allah to destroy him like what he did to our ancestors, and Thamud, who became extinct Arabs. Now, you might think that like, Utbah doesn't believe in all that stuff. What's going on? You see, the words of the Qur'an, they know truth from false, and they were words of truth. Utbah got up, and he ran back to his people, to <coughs> Dar al He got Abu Jahan and Abu Sufyan and Al-Walid and Umayyad, all those chiefs. He sat down with him and said, listen to me, people, listen. Listen to me. Leave this man alone. Leave him alone. Wallahi, his words are so powerful that I cannot believe anything but this. This man is going to have an amazing future. He's going to be a man of power, without question. Leave him alone. If he is victorious, then we will share in his victory, because we are with him, we are his people. And if he is a liar, then at least, if he is beaten, then let the other Arabs beat him, so that we don't carry the blood of our own relatives. And people say they kill their own relatives. So leave him alone, for Wallahi, whatever he's on to in his mission, he's going to reach it. This is what Utbah said. At this point, they started to listen to him, but Abu Jahl, the bully, he got up and said, Never! Is this what you came to do? Are you better than your forefathers, Ya Utbah? Now as soon as you say that to someone like that, they can't back down. They said, No, I'm not better than my forefathers. He said, How could you be a coward? He said, I'm not a coward. So he kept on talking to him until Otaba said, Okay, I've said what I have to say. And I'm behind my people. Do what you want. Otuba then backed down. He was too much, too scared. His forefathers meant more to him than the truth. And so the enmity continued. <laughs> One day, the... Quraysh people got together and they thought, let's give this one more try. We'll try to negotiate with him. They said to him, we have a solution for you. How about you worship our gods one day and we worship your gods the next day. One for one. One day us, one day you. The Prophet he said, never. They said, how about you worship our gods one day, and we'll worship yours a month. He said, never. He said, okay. We worship your, you worship our gods one day, and we'll worship your god one year. Every year, you just worship one day. And we'll do the rest. We'll all follow your religion. But just, come on, stop. No one's ever done this in the history of the Arabs. And then Allah sent down the verse, and he recited it. Say, O oh, noble people of the disbelievers. You see how the word is Ouha. Ayyuha is a form of respect. O oh, noble people of disbelievers, la ما تعبدون I do not worship what you worship. This is Now I will not worship what you worship. And you refuse to worship what I worship anyway. عبدتم, nor will I worship any religion of the past of yours. Like if you're going to take me backwards, I'm not even going to do that. And you will insist on never worshipping what I worship, no matter what I tell you. For you is your religion, and for me is mine. At this point, Abu Jahl got even angrier. So one day the Prophet was making tawaf around the Kaaba, And this particular story is said to be a little bit weak but a lot of the scholars said it's authentic. What happened was there was a a companion by the name of Abdullah ibn Amr ibn al-As. And this was years later after the Prophet death. And there was another companion by the name of uh, Urwa ibn Zubayr, rahimahullah. He asked this guy Abdullah ibn Amr ibn As, "Can you tell me about the worst incident that ever happened to the Prophet that you saw in your life?" And he said to him, "The worst time I ever saw something happening to him was." On a time when he was making tawaf. He said, he went around once and there were people, some of them among them chiefs, some of them normal people, they were sitting on the side. He said he crossed the first time and the people started winking at each other and pointing to the Prophet ﷺ with their hands, their eyes and their eyebrows. You know when somebody winks and starts looking at someone in the most denigrating way, demeaning way? So he ignored them the first time, he went for the second tawaf and he knows they're going to do it again. As he approached, they started winking and saying words that hurt him, abusive words. The third time he came round and they winked at each other again and started laughing and abusing him وسلم, with even more hurtful words. And the Prophet is quiet, silent, not saying a single word, but getting hurt on the inside. Then on the fourth time, he said he came round and they started to abuse him even more. Then the Prophet stopped and turned to them. And he said, You are not going to desist from this, talking about the Messenger of God, your Prophet, until a wrath befalls you. والذي نفسي by the one who possesses my soul in his hands لقد <clears> بالذبح <throat> I have come to you with the future command of putting you to slaughter of putting you to what to slaughter in the Arabic language when you say ذبح it doesn't literally mean to slaughter someone with a knife. It means to fight in a battle. And here the Prophet ﷺ is telling them in other words at the moment Allah is giving you a chance. I've been among you for five to six years now. Allah says it in the Quran and I have been among you a lifetime. You know me now for 45 years I was raised among you. You know who I am. And now you're continuing with this when all the verses have come to you. Allah is giving you a chance. Do you know that soon in the future you are going to fight me and I am going to take up arms and I will have followers and you are going to be defeated, a terrible defeat. That's what he's saying. I have come as a messenger of God, if you think that I will not fight back, Allah has sent me and in the future I will have a law of defense and fighting and taking up arms. Right now you think this is not going to happen, so repent and listen. And in another word, Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is saying to them, you're going to continue to abuse and fight till it comes to a point where you're going to take up arms against me and my and, and the people who follow me and I'm going to be forced to fight you. And when that happens you are going to be massacred. You're going to be defeated. Now they know the Prophet ﷺ doesn't lie. So subhanAllah a fear crept into their hearts and they wiped their smiles off their faces and said to him "Qad we know you, O oh Muhammad, lestabijahool. You are not an ignorant man. You're not an ignorant man. You're not a person who likes to fight and cause corruption. Go. Go, our oh, nephew. Move along. We're going to go back home. So they showed him respect. The next day, Abu Jahl and the others heard about the incident. And they were fuming with anger, already on top of the anger they had. They said, he says to you, warns you and threatens you of a battle in the future that he will slaughter you? How could you let him free? How dare he? So they gathered. And this narrator of this hadith, he says, Abdullah ibn Amr ibn al-As, he said, I saw Aqba ibn Abi Mu'eit. Aqba ibn Abi Mu'eit. He was the neighbor of the Prophet sallallahu He said, I saw him come with Abu Jahl and a few others. And they waited for him as he was praying in front of the Kaaba. Then they said to him, is it true what you said to the people yesterday? A threat of a battle and a war then you will defeat them and massacre them? He said, "Yes, I said that." Then, as the Prophet turned to continue his prayer, Uqba took off the piece of material, the the the, the, the um, khimar that they wear over their heads from the heat. He rolled it up, made it into a rope-like structure, and he placed it around the Prophet Wasallam's neck and pulled him aggressively. Dragging him across on the gravel in front of the people, the Prophet choked; he couldn't breathe, and his face went blue. sallallahu alayhi wasallam. He was almost about to faint and go unconscious while they dragged him around, while they were abusing him and hitting him. sallallahu alayhi wasallam, swearing at him as being dragged around, being choked. Who saw him? Abu Bakr He ran towards him. Now remember, Abu Bakr is from the Quraysh, but he had embraced Islam, and his people had given up; they're not protecting him anymore. So he ran anyway to the Prophet ﷺ and he started to fight them off while they beat him tremendously until his face began to bleed. And you could not tell the front of his face from the back and the amount of blood that came down from the face of Abu Bakr. While he was protecting the Prophet ﷺ, calling out and saying, Do you want to kill a man just because he says, My God is Allah. And because of Abu Bakr, Allah sent down verses in the Qur'an later on, talking about prophets before and their people doing the same, saying, About the story in Surah Yasin. And a man came from a far distance saying, Oh, people, leave the messengers of God. Do you want to kill someone who says, My Lord is Allah. Allah sent that verse down the same way that Abu Bakr said, it, Rajulan Rabbi Allah." Abu Bakr went unconscious for many days, and they thought that he was going to die that time. And when he woke up, the Prophet ﷺ was there and Abu Bakr said, Ya Rasulallah, Wallahi, if you command me and allow me, I will go out and do it again and recite the Qur'an. Let them bash me and kill me. But the Prophet ﷺ then said to him, No, my friend, my brothers and sisters, this man, Abi I have a little story about him. How did he become that way? How did he become such a vicious tyrant against the Prophet ﷺ? He was the main physical bully. I'll tell you how he became like that. A few weeks earlier before this incident, Uqba ibn Abi Mu'id found that the Prophet was a good neighbor to him. And all he saw was goodness from him. To the point where the enemies who were neighbors to the Prophet used to neglect the rubbish in front of the Prophet and they used to deliberately throw it in front of his house. While the Prophet, peace be upon him, would clean it up and not say a single word. Uqba, at one point, he wanted to listen to the words of the Prophet So one day he invited him over to his house for dinner. Uqbah Ibn Abi Ma'id, this man. The Prophet وسلم, enters. And Uqbah, he says to him, Look, I want to hear your words. Right? But I also want you to eat from my food. So the Prophet Sallallahu thought, Maybe he can use a tactic. It wasn't the right tactic, but he made ishtihad. He had an educational guest and he said, I won't eat from your food until you say the Shahada. He thought maybe if he says it out of embarrassment, because men those days, especially chiefs, and it was a noble character of Arab men, that if they say a word, they've got to stick to it. So he thought, maybe I can make him say it out of embarrassment, and that will entice him to continue to learn about the Deen until it enters his heart. The man said, please yeah, Muhammad, don't do this to me. You're my guest. and..." You know how we are towards guests. I don't want to mistreat you because the guest is something that our reputation is built upon. He said, I refuse to eat until you say the Shahada." Finally, the man said it out of embarrassment. And the Prophet ﷺ started to eat. The next day, his friend, one of his best friends, Akbar's best friend, his name was Ubayy ibn Khalaf. Ubayy ibn Khalaf, one of the other chiefs, one of his BFFs, as they say. <laughs> best friends forever. And he said to him, I heard that you sabat, that you have deserted our religion. He said to him, No, no, it's not true. Listen, man, you know, they made me embarrassed, and I said the word out of embarrassment. It's not real. Don't worry about it. And Ubay said, I don't believe you. He said, What do you want me to do? He goes, Either you choose me as your friend and you take my way, or you choose him as your friend, and you take his way, one or the other. You're either with us or against us. He said, I'm with you. He said, Prove it. He said, Do tell me, I'll do anything. He said, go, knock on your neighbor's door, Muhammad and when he answers the door, spit in his face. Then I'll believe you that you're my ally and I will take you as my friend. And he went to the Prophet house, he knocked on his door, the Prophet opened the door. What do you think the Prophet is thinking? He remembers last night. He said the shahada, maybe it worked. He's very happy, he's excited that another man that he has saved from the fire, That's all the Prophet wants. The Rasul is cheerful and hopeful. And as soon as he smiles to him, Akbar ibn Abi Mu'ayyid swears at him and spits right in the middle of his face. And he walks away. The Prophet didn't say a word. But Allah did. He sent down the following verse.
1: Allah said And on that
0: day The day of judgment The one who wronged himself Meaning Uqba ibn Abi Ma'id Him Without mentioning his name He shall bite his hands Out of regret You know when people bite their fingers Out of their nails Out of nervousness He says On the day of judgment He will bite his hands Out of regret and nervousness And he will say I wish that I would have taken companionship and away with Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam, with the messenger of God. Oh, woe to me! Oh, oh, woe to me! Oh, I wish I wouldn't have taken friendship and away with so-and-so. He has led me astray from the straight path. And then Allah says, And the shaitan truly is a deceitful liar to man. The shaitan has two meanings. The shaitan of the jinn and the shaitan of the human being. Shaytan or shaitana is an act of evil and treachery. They can be a jinn, they can be a human. Who's worse? The human or the jinn? The, human. the human's the worst because you say blame billah Shaytan shaitana rajim you make adhan the shaitan runs away. The human being looks at you and says what are you doing man? Stop it. Come on. Man. Move on. And that Ubayy ibn Khalaf was his shaitan. And what does Allah describe the shaitan as? shaitan shaitan The shaitan is a khadul. And I'll tell you that there are eight types of friends Allah mentions in the Quran. One of these types is a khadul friend. This type of a friend, the khadul, is like the shaitan. What does he do or she do? She does. Basically, they make you think that they are your friends. But only, so long as you agree with them, and follow with their desires. When you get in trouble, when you get in trouble, and it's really their fault for leading you into it, at the time that they need you, they walk away and leave you alone. And they say, "Oh, still nothing to do with me. So these are the thuds and the louts, that are hadhoers, like the shaytan, you think he's your friend or she's your friend, they smile to you so long as you do what they do, of evil and haram. They make you steal, they make you take drugs, they make you kill, they make you abuse, they make you backbite, they make you um, cheat, they make you lie. And then when it comes down to the crunch that you are in trouble, they run away. Hey, I've got nothing to do with you, man. They're evil. And that's what the shaitan will do on the Day of Judgment. Don't blame me. I called you and you listened. Don't blame me. Blame yourselves. In other words, if you're that dumb and you followed me, what's that got to do with me? That's the Khadul. And that's what happened to Akbar ibn Abi Maid. It didn't stop there. Abu Jahl got so angry after that, that he said, one day he came to the Prophet ﷺ, he was in a really bad mood. He saw him making tawaf once again. And he started to abuse the Prophet